Hi there, it is great to have you with us today and great that you're here for the start of a new series that we are calling Big Questions. We're going to be exploring together over the next five weeks some of the big questions that we all as humans have to face, questions which I think are kind of an inevitable part of human existence. But maybe actually they're questions which feel particularly relevant to us right now. We might be asking them. When we find ourselves in the context of a worldwide pandemic, in the lockdown that we're living through, life suddenly seems less secure, seems less safe. We feel less in control, I guess. And we might become much more aware of our own mortality. And that could be a time when we start to ask really big questions. And so I think amidst all the stress and the strain and the heartache and the pain of this time, there's also a real opportunity for us, an opportunity to stop to think and to explore some of these questions. And the first question we're going to look at today is the big question, why on earth am I here? Maybe that's something you often think. Maybe just every now and then you stop and you think, why am I here? Maybe it's something that the pandemic has caused you to think afresh. Maybe actually, if you're honest, it's not a question you've ever really asked before, but I wonder if we can agree it is a good question to ask. And I think it's a really important question to ask. It's important because knowing why we're here helps us know how to live. Kind of why we're here is linked to our purpose. Knowing why we're here will help us to find and to live out our best life. And I think really you need to know why you're here in order to know how to live while you're here. And what I want to try and do today is to show you what I think the best answer to the question, why on earth am I here, is found in the Christian faith. It's the answer the Bible gives that we are here because God loves us. And because God made us and he wants us to find and to live out our best life in a relationship with him. And I want today to try and show you why I think that is not an old-fashioned or an outdated or a disproved idea. Actually, it's the answer which makes the best sense of the evidence we have. It's an answer that's good. And actually, also, it's an answer that's true. So first of all, we've got to think, well, how do we answer a question like this? Why am I here? How do you find the purpose of something? How do you find the meaning of something? How do we explore that kind of thing? Well, one way, I think, to find the purpose of something is to look at different answers, different possibilities, almost to test them out and see which one works, which one has a good outcome, which one is the best fit. Imagine, for example, that I found a great big butcher's knife. I decided not to bring one, because I thought that brandishing a giant knife on camera wasn't quite the look I wanted to go for. But imagine I've got a big butcher's knife. And imagine somehow I don't know what that is. And I'm looking at it thinking, why on earth is this here? What is this here for? What is this thing? Well, one way I could try and answer that question would be to use it in different ways and see which one works best, which one is a good fit. So I might look at it, and I might think, well, I could use this as a back scratcher. And I might start scratching my back with it, and it would potentially kind of do the job a bit. But actually, it might quite quickly start to do the job a bit too well, and maybe actually it would cause me some hurt and do some harm. It's not working well because it's not a good fit. It's not the right answer. Maybe I'd look at it afresh, and i think, well, this could be really useful as a pointer for those presentations I have to give at work. And so you give it a go. It kind of works. But you think, well, maybe other things might do a better job. And you do notice your colleagues look a little bit intimidated while you hold this giant knife in front of them. But then you notice this thing is really sharp. I wonder what would happen if I used this to try and chop things up. And you start to take the knife and to use it to cut things up, and you find this works. This is a good fit. This is what this thing was meant for all along. 
and we've discovered it by trying out to find its purpose. I think we could do that with a big knife. I think we can also do that with the question, why on earth am I here? We can look at the different answers, see how they play out when we put them into practice in our lives, and which one is the best fit. And so we need to assess two answers. Because broadly speaking, in the broadest terms, there are only really two types of answer to the question, why on earth am I here? One of them involves God, and one of them doesn't. We'll consider them each in turn. First of all, let's use the, go with the answer that there's no God. Let's imagine, just for a moment, there is no God, and answer the question, why on earth am I here? The only answer that can be given if there's no God is, well, because at some point, something suddenly started to exist. There was nothing, and nothing, and nothing, and nothing, and nothing, and then suddenly, something started to exist. And then that started some sort of chain reaction or some sort of process of things developed. There's no plan behind it. There's no purpose. It's all complete and utter pure chance. Eventually, I guess you get to a natural selection, to random genetic mutations. Still no plan, still no purpose, but it keeps going until eventually, here we are today. If that's true, if that's where things have come from, then the answer to the question, why on earth am I here, is you're here, I'm here because of random chance. It wasn't deliberate. There was no plan. There was no purpose. No personal involvement or guiding hand. It just happens to be how things have worked out. And if from that we're looking for what's the purpose of human life, the only possible purpose becomes passing on our DNA. I don't know about you, but I don't find the kind of purpose of passing on DNA to be particularly inspiring as a way of living human life. I think in practical terms, if there's no God, then actually life is pretty much meaningless, pretty much purposeless. And that's why people who take that view tend to then live with this kind of philosophy of life of, let's maximize our pleasure and minimize our pain. There's no plan to follow. There's no kind of guidance to how things should work. We know we like pleasure. We don't like pain. So let's maximize the pleasure, minimize the pain. That's really all we kind of have to live for. And so we want our own personal freedoms to do what we want, to follow our desires, to make our own choices so that we can get that pleasure. We basically do whatever feels good because there's no plan to follow. So, well, why shouldn't we? And, of course, many people live life this way. We really value having the freedom to do whatever we want. And if there are rules or moralities which restrict our personal freedom, we see that as bad, we see that as oppressive even. And so many of us live our lives seeking pleasure in things like money and possessions and power and relationships and sex and technology. This kind of philosophy of, well, if it feels good, let's do it. It is good. And that kind of sounds great, doesn't it? No, who doesn't love the idea of maximizing our pleasure and minimizing our pain? But the question you're going to ask is, does it actually work? As an answer to the question, why on earth am I here, as a way of living, does it actually work? And we can assess that quite easily. That's been the, really the dominant view of most people for many decades now in our nation, our part of the world. And really for many centuries, it's been a prominent view, even if not the dominant view. So we can look around us and say, well, is this working? Is this producing good outcomes for us? And you know, to be honest, I look around and I'm just not sure it does. I'm not sure it is working for us. We've been going this way for a while. We've got lots of freedoms, and yet lots of us aren't really very happy. We're not really, I think, experiencing a fullness of life from the right purpose in life. If this is the right answer, if we're doing the right thing by living out this particular answer, then why is it that we get the latest stuff, but it's never enough? We get stuff, and we have to get more and more. We keep buying and buying and buying, always trying to actually get what we want, and it never quite works. 
If this is the right answer, why is it that we have the freedom to sleep with pretty much anyone we want to, and yet that doesn't really satisfy? And why is it that our freedoms in that area actually have not brought great liberty? They've brought a load of great problems. Just look at the Me Too movement for one example highlighting that. If this is such a good answer, why is it that we have such a serious mental health crisis in our country? And so many of us are struggling with mental ill health. And if it's such a great answer, why is it that suicide and drug overdose are the biggest killers of both men and women under 35 in our own nation? I look around and I'm just not sure this answer works. It doesn't really seem to do us good. Maybe it's because it's like using a knife to scratch our back. It's going to kind of work for a while. It'll do a bit of the job, but actually, ultimately, it's going to cause harm. It's going to do damage because it's never really what it was ultimately designed for. Maybe we're here for more than just pleasure-seeking and pain avoidance. Maybe there really is meaning and purpose available in life. So if that answer doesn't really work, we need to assess a different answer. What about if there is a God? How would we then answer the question, why on earth am I here? What about if the God of the Bible exists? Then why on earth am I here? Well, if the God of the Bible exists, the Bible tells us we're here because we're made by God. And it's worth just stopping here, pointing out, that doesn't mean we reject science or necessarily we reject evolution. There are plenty of Christians who believe in evolution but believe that God guided it and directed it. There was a, a plan and a purpose. There is no necessary contradiction between Christianity and evolution. But regardless of how it happened, the key point is we're made by God and we're made by him as an outworking, an overflow of his love. We're made for a relationship with him. That's our purpose. That's our reason for existing. Ultimately, why are you here? It's because God, because God loves you and made you to be in relationship with him. You know, if God created us, then there is meaning. There is a plan, a purpose behind what he's done. It wasn't random chance that you're here. It was the purposeful decision and outworking of his love. And if God exists, this will mean that true fulfillment comes not through having the personal freedom to do whatever we want, to try and get as much pleasure as we want in the things we think will make us happy. True fulfillment will come in living his way, the way we've been created, designed for, like using the knife in the right way. True fulfillment will actually come in through a relationship with God. Just imagine if this is true, this means that we, you and I, have been designed for a relationship where we are always loved, where we are always accepted, we're always welcome, we're always delighted in, and we're never alone. Who doesn't want that kind of relationship? There's something in the human heart that longs for that kind of security of love and relationship. And this answer, if there is a God, is in just like stark, stark contrast to the answer if there isn't a God, to that meaninglessness and purposelessness that we're left with if there's no God. Actually, if there's a God, with the God of the Bible, life has meaning. There's a plan, there's a purpose, and actually there's the love and security that we all long for. It's available to us. This answer, it strikes me, is beautiful, is attractive. Our, our hearts kind of naturally long for it. But of course, we've got to ask the same question again. Does it actually work? Does putting it into practice produce good fruit? You know what? I think it does. Millions of people across thousands of years have found that living out this answer, living life in relationship with God, has been truly fulfilling. It's been enjoyable. It's been life-giving and satisfying. And don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean that life following Jesus and living in relationship with God isn't sometimes difficult. It doesn't mean there aren't pains and difficulties, suffering and distress 
But facing those things with God is completely different to facing them without. For many people, starting to live out this answer to our key question is like taking the knife and starting to use it to chop things up and finding this is what this is for. This is the purpose, this is the design, this is why this is here. Perhaps actually God being making, making us a relationship with him is why we are here. But I know you might be thinking at this point, well, Andrew, it's great, and it kind of sounds like a lovely idea, but we all know that God doesn't exist. You might be thinking, we know that God's existence has been disproved by science. Or you might say, well, we, we can't ever give any scientific proof that God exists. And of course, in that last bit, you'd be totally right. We can't scientifically prove that God exists. There's no experiment you can do in a lab to prove that God exists. But of course, it's also the case, there's no experiment you could do in a lab to prove that yesterday happened or that World War II happened, or that King Henry VIII once lived. There's no experiment you could do in a lab that proves that love exists, that you love your spouse or your kids or your friends, your family. And there's no experiment we could do in a lab to prove that for something to be true, you have to do an experiment in a lab to prove it. The whole thing doesn't really hold together. The reality is you and I believe in lots of things which can't be scientifically proven. But we believe them because there's good evidence for them. There's compelling evidence to believe they're true. And I think that is true of God as much as it's true of some other things. Let me just give you very quickly two reasons that I think give us compelling evidence to believe there is a God and actually that he created everything and created us. The first one is a simple fact that there is something, not nothing. Have you ever thought about the fact that the fact that things exist is, for a human brain, absolutely logically impossible? Everything we know has a cause. There's this chain of reactions. As this is caused by this, by this, by this. Well, that chain can't go on forever. At some point, at the start of that chain, there has to be an uncaused cause. There has to be something that wasn't created. And the question is, what's most likely to be there at the start? What is the uncaused cause? Sometimes I just muse on this, and it makes me realize how small I am. There must be an uncaused cause at the start of the chain, but I, as a human, literally cannot fathom the idea of something coming to existence, something that has no cause, an uncreated, uncaused thing. I literally sometimes get to the thought, point of thinking, this must all be a dream, this can't be real. But then I'm like, well, who's dreaming, or where's that kind of fantasy thing taking place? There still needs to be a cause. Generally, when I really think through this, it kind of creeps me out. And it makes me realize how small I am. It makes me realize, actually, maybe I'm not the most clever and the biggest being in the universe. It makes me realize maybe there is someone far bigger and far cleverer than me. And I'm not just talking about Stephen Fry. The fact is, there has to be a reason why there's something, not nothing. And because I, as a human, find it impossible to think how there can be an uncaused cause, it seems pretty likely to me that that cause is God. And I know obviously that leads the question, well, where does God come from? But I'm not sure that's such a big problem. I don't know where God comes from, but actually, if he's the creator and I'm the creature, then it should make sense and I should expect that I won't fully understand him. There should be things I can't understand and that makes sense because I'm the creature, he's the creator. The fact that we don't know where God comes from in this kind of understanding actually isn't a problem. So that, I think, is one really compelling reason to believe as a God and he made everything. And the second one is what we might call fine-tuning. Did you know that just for the stars and planets to exist, so even before there's any life anywhere, just for the stars and planets to exist, there are 15 huge numbers, or constants, we can call them, which have to be exactly right. 
They have to be exactly right to one in a million. For some of them, actually, it's one in a million million. This is things like uh, nuclear forces, the size of the universe, the strength of gravity. Every single one of those 15 has to be exactly right. One author helps that illustrates this. He says, imagine a line of 15 uh, roulette wheels, each of which has a million numbers on it. And you've got to spin every single one. And every single one has got to land on exactly the right number out of a million possibilities for the universe to exist. You do one, two, three, right up to 15, every one has to be exactly right. Now, if you spun those roulette wheels and all 15 happened to land on just the right number, would you assume that was, well, yeah, random chance, why wouldn't that happen? Or would you assume there was someone guiding it, someone involved? And of course, at this point, some people posit what's known as the multiverse theory. The idea is, well, there are millions of universes, so it kind of isn't so surprising that one of them would have the conditions for life, and it just so happens that that is our one, and that's why we're here today. The problem with that, of course, is actually there's no evidence for the multiverse theory. There's no evidence for these millions and millions of universes. To believe there are millions of other universes is as much of a faith statement as believing there is a God who created the world. The question simply becomes, well, which seems more likely? That there's one divine being who has carefully crafted and shaped the world to, and the universe to be as it needs to be, or is it more likely that there are millions and millions of universes which we can't prove are there, which we have no evidence that are there, and by the way, all of them just happen to appear out of nothing somehow unknowingly? I think both these things, the fact there is something not nothing, and the fine-tuning we see in the universe, all point to the fact that actually there is a God. And God made the universe, he made the earth, and he made us. And if he made us, then why on earth am I here? Why on earth are you here? It's because God loved you. Because he created you for a relationship to be enjoyed with him. And I think this is an answer which makes sense of the evidence we have around us. And it's an answer which is good. It's the best explanation. It works. It fits what we can see. And I think about all of this, and it makes sense for me of something Jesus says when he comes. When Jesus comes, when the Son of God comes to earth, when God himself is walking amongst us, he says this about us, about humanity. I came that they may have life and may have it abundantly. If we're made by God, and I think there are really good reasons to believe that we are, then abundant life, true life, our very best life, will be found by living in a relationship with him. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to make it possible for us to have that relationship. Jesus came to offer an invitation to every one of us to come and to enter into that truly life-giving relationship. And that's what, over these weeks, this series and big questions, we're going to be talking more about that. That's what, if you sign up for our Alpha course, you'll have a chance to explore that. It's going to be a small group online to ask questions to wrestle with this. That's what we're looking at at this time. You know, the wonderful, wonderful truth is there is a God who made you. There's a God who loves you, and there's a God who wants to give you abundant life. 